Hello, I'm Russell Warren and I head up the tax team at Travis Smith. I'd like to welcome you to the 10th instalment in our Travelling Seamlessly Global Mobility podcast series. In our ninth episode, we discuss the issues that public companies need to consider when setting up and operating an employee plan outside the UK. In this episode, Hugo Twig and Carlson Pardy from our incentives and remuneration team will look at some of the key considerations for private companies when establishing and operating their international incentive plans. To find out more about the issues discussed in this podcast, the Travis Smith Global Mobility Team, and how we can help you with your global mobility projects, you can visit our website, www.travismith.com and search for global mobility. And now over to Hugo and Kalsoon. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest instalment of the Travis Smith Global Mobility Podcast Series. I'm Kulsum Hardy, Knowledge Council in Travis Smith's Incentives and Remuneration Team. With me today is Hugo Twig, who is a Senior Associate in our team. In this podcast, we're going to cover some of the key issues for private companies to consider when operating their incentive plans internationally, including securities law, tax, plus some other factors to bear in mind. It's worth flagging that as this area of law often requires bespoke legal advice, we would recommend seeking that advice before establishing an incentive plan and implementing it around the world. So, Hugo, if your client, a UK-based private company, wants to establish an incentive plan and its employees are based around the world, what would you suggest they consider first? Thanks, Kasim. One of the first things to think about is the type of incentive arrangement the company might want to put in place. In the UK, private companies have a lot of flexibility on how they structure their employee incentive arrangements, being less constrained by company law and regulatory requirements than public companies. A company might want to award their employees shares so they feel like they have skin in the game and are often more incentivized due to the possibility of losing that asset. Whilst operating an employee share offer is usually okay for UK participants, Issuing shares to employees overseas can cause complexity, as we'll come on to in a little more detail later on. Alternatively, a cash bonus scheme could be simpler to operate, as there are no securities like shares or share options, so there's less need to worry about securities law or exchange control restrictions. Whilst that's easier to manage from an administration perspective, this approach can be less tax efficient and therefore less of an incentivization tool, so there is a fine balance to be struck. Whilst we're on incentivization, one other question the company should ask itself is how far are they willing to go for a common global plan? When fostering a culture across offices around the world, a key consideration for some clients can be fairness, despite the jurisdiction in which the employee is resident. Whilst that can be a noble aim, structuring plans so employees receive the same net outcome when selling their shares can be difficult. For example, in a country like China, Securities and exchange control restrictions means that it can be very difficult to allocate shares in a UK limited company to individuals in the first place. This makes structuring for an equivalent global plan a difficult process. Then, in terms of tax, private companies in the UK will often want to structure their share schemes so participants pay capital gains tax on the sale of their shares rather than income tax. As most people listening will know, that can mean an effective rate of tax of 20% rather than 45% plus national insurance charges. Unfortunately, in some jurisdictions, trying to structure for this type of tax treatment is a complex process and specialist tax advice is normally required. 
A common issue we see is that some countries don't distinguish between a person's private company shareholding and their salary. It's all seen as part of their employment income. This can be a problem with issuing shares to employees in Vietnam, for example. We would always recommend that specialist advice is taken in order to establish tax treatment for the international employees and the company's group. You mentioned tax issues often being a factor when private companies set up an international incentive plan. Other than capital gains versus income tax treatment, what other factors should private companies consider? Another issue to think about on the tax side is valuation of the shares. In the UK, a company's board can determine the value of the shares and, depending on a number of different factors, that can be seen as a fair valuation, although it's worth bearing in mind that HMRC won't necessarily agree with this. In some countries, that approach won't be permitted and you would need to arrange for a third-party valuation before issuing the shares in order to get the employees into capital gains tax treatment. For example, in Australia, depending on the nature of the scheme, it's possible that a valuation may only be acceptable to the local regulators if it's prepared according to local accounting standards. Preparing a third-party valuation that complies with local restrictions can be a difficult process and can be expensive for the company, particularly if it's based in the UK. Another issue we come across are loans to employees to help them acquire their shares. Whilst common in the UK, this can cause issues in other countries since the company or the employer can be seen as a lender and would need to apply for special licenses or consents in order to make that loan. We've seen issues of this nature come up in Malaysia and the Netherlands. One other point to flag is the employee loans is interest rates. Whilst the company can issue loans with a 0% interest rates in lots of countries, there are places where that might cause tax to arise when the loan is made, so interest may need to be charged. Finally, from a practical perspective, companies should think about their reporting and record-keeping obligations. It's a good idea for companies operating global plans to establish internal reporting policies. These will help create accurate and up-to-date flows of information between the parent company operating the plan and the subsidiaries whose employees are participating in it. This is important not only to enable both the parent and the subsidiaries to meet their reporting requirements, but it also helps with managing levers and accounting for tax at the right time. So stepping away from tax, what kind of regulatory or legal issues should private companies consider? One of the first questions to ask if you're operating a share-based incentive scheme overseas is, can employees actually hold shares in that particular country? We've found that some jurisdictions require participants to make personal declarations of their holdings of assets abroad. To date, we haven't found a jurisdiction that forbids such holdings, or they're making this declaration without having first considered local regulations and law at the time that the shares have been issued could be problematic. As a matter of good practice, companies might want to inform their employees of these obligations, but equally the plan documentation should make it clear that the company will not be responsible for any personal failures. Another issue can be around securities laws. These are the laws which govern the way in which a company can offer its shares to people. Sometimes it isn't possible to offer shares without issuing a prospectus that gives information about the company. Whilst private companies don't normally need to worry about giving a prospectus to employees in the UK, as there are exemptions built into local law and regulation, this can be an issue in overseas jurisdictions. Some countries, like Thailand and Saudi Arabia, may have to be avoided for this reason, as their securities laws are incredibly restrictive. It's worth flagging that breaching securities law can be a criminal offence. If in doubt, private companies might prefer to grant employees a cash bonus that tracks the value of the shares, sometimes referred to as a phantom award, 
instead of actual shares. This can be less tax efficient, but a safer approach for everyone involved. Sometimes there are other complexities to consider around these securities rules. For example, in countries governed by both federal and state law like the USA, the position of both levels needs to be confirmed. Often this requires understanding not only where employees work, but also where they live. The same applies for employees who live in one country, but travel across a border to go to work. Which country securities law do you need to comply with? This is often overlooked at the time a plan's launched, but in our experience, having a clear policy relating to employees who move from country to country will make these transitions smoother. Before we move on, it's worth mentioning that exchange control restrictions in countries like Vietnam and India can mean payments of cash from the sale of shares aren't allowed unless undertaken via a specific process. This is particularly relevant if there's an offshore nominee structure in place. This can cause practical headaches for companies, so it should be considered early on in the plan design process. Ending up in a situation where an employee wants to sell their shares in the private company, but can't realise the value without adhering to these local rules is going to be an unwelcome surprise. That's all really useful to know, Hugo. What about any issues in relation to employment law? Employment law issues can often affect the award timetable, particularly if unions or employee representatives need to be consulted on a plan before it's launched. In some countries, shares or incentive arrangements can be tied to an employee's employment, guaranteeing them rights to receive additional payments even if they leave their employment before the award is vested. This is normally something that local councils should be able to assist with when they give their advice. As you'd expect, most jurisdictions will have a concept of non-discrimination, but in some cases there may be an express requirement to treat all employees equally or offer participation in a plan to all employees of a particular subsidiary. Making sure that a plan can be offered on a discretionary basis or on different terms based on objective criteria like length of service or seniority is important. Some jurisdictions may have different requirements depending on the nationality of the employees involved. It's helpful to ask as part of any correspondence with the local council if any of the answers would differ if the worker is not a national of the country concerned. Another point to consider is language. Translating a plan's documentation can take time and add extra layers of costs. Legally, if a plan is governed by a set of parent company rules, it's not necessarily desirable to have different versions of the same rules in different languages. With that in mind, one of the key questions we ask local council is whether there is a legal requirement to offer the plan in local languages. In almost all cases, we're advised that there is no statutory requirement to do this, but the enforceability of an English language document will depend on the individual's understanding and competency in the English language. It's worth noting that that isn't always the case. Whatever the advice says, it's helpful for employees to expressly consent to receiving English language documents and confirm that they understand them. Legal issues aside, if employees are to buy into a particular plan, translating the explanatory guides and supporting documentation, as well as giving presentations in local languages, will often be well received. Thanks, Hugo. And finally, are there any other factors for a private company to consider that you'd like to highlight? These arrangements are often complex and require bespoke advice, since there are a number of pitfalls that a company can fall into. The list below isn't an exhaustive one. One point to always consider is confidentiality. Whilst it's less of an issue when operating a phantom or cash-based plan, if you're issuing shares in a UK resident company, the company registers are public documents and are easily accessible on company's house. With that in mind, companies often want to put a bare trust nominee structure in place so no employee can see a colleague's share allocation. In this structure, a nominee will hold the legal title to the individual's behalf. 
and therefore be the registered holder of the share in the register of members. Whilst this is standard for UK employees, setting up nominee arrangements can be problematic in other jurisdictions. For example, if you have employees in Germany, the nominee arrangements have to be time limited, so specific plan wording and considerations normally needed. Another thing to think about is best practice. Local history and cultural sensitivity should always be taken into account when you are launching your plan. One obvious point to make is to make sure the planned launch date, which may be a global date, doesn't clash with any specific holidays or religious festivals on the ground. One final point to consider is data protection. Data protection is a big topic in almost all jurisdictions that we've come across. Hopefully, since the company will already be operating in the particular jurisdiction, processes will be in place to protect and transfer data in accordance with the business's needs. Adding the incentive plan to this process or protocol shouldn't be forgotten. Plan documents might require express consent to be obtained from each employee, even when an optional rule doesn't actually require the employee to accept or sign anything. This is always something to bear in mind. Those were really important points. Thanks, Hugo, for taking us through the key issues that a private company needs to consider before extending its employee incentives plan outside the UK. If you want any further information about this topic, do get in touch with a member of the Trevor Smith's incentives team. In the meantime, thank you for listening and goodbye. 